2: God's Spirit's flowing. You see, the early church was not a powerless minority. You are not a powerless minority. You have the power of God in your life. You have the heart and the mind and the eyes of Jesus Christ. You are changing this society. Expect God to do more. May He touch us. When He puts His ear to our heart, may He hear the very heartbeat of Jesus
0: Christ that lives are being changed. Sometimes as we walk in this world, we see how increasingly hostile to Christianity the world is becoming. And sometimes we can get discouraged because it seems like we're so much in the minority. In today's message, Pastor Mark encourages us to take heart. We're not in the powerless minority. God's Spirit is at work, and we, as the Church, are changing lives. We are influencing society. Most importantly, though, we're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is translating people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Communicate the Good News.
2: Your lessons for Go and make disciples of all nations. That is the first command. It's a mandate. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. The promise that goes with that in these verses, here it is the next thing, you can write it down, the promise, Jesus says, I'll be with you with my power and my authority until the end in other words as you go i'll always be a part of that going see if i go in my own strength its not going to happen so when you and i go we go in his power and strength look at it look at verse 18 then jesus came to them to his disciples and he said this all authority authority is simply delegated power he says i have all authority in heaven and earth and it's been given to me and now basically he says i'm going to give it to you Remember, God's power always, always, always defeats Satan. So God's power can unlock hard hearts, open blinded eyes. Then in verse 19, we already read it. Therefore, here's that word again, go and make, circle this word, we'll be back to it in a moment, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, in other words, all, I've commanded you, teach them all, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is known, we already told you, as the great commission. He's commissioning you to go. It is a command beyond evangelism. Look back at the verse, it doesn't say this. Go into all the world and make converts. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say go into all the world and make church members. Go into all the world and make worshipers. No, it says go into all the world and make disciples. It's not enough to make a convert, which is a baby Christian, and then say to the baby Christian, have at it. Go on your own. No, every convert is as simply as a baby Christian, and it must be taught to know and obey God's word. That's why you're here this morning. That's the goal of Jesus, is to take a convert and make them a disciple. It's a process that never ends in our life. Now, the main verb in those three verses, the main verb in the Greek text, there's a main verb that drives the sentences. The main verb is make disciples. But I'm not going to focus on that this morning. There are other verbs. The verb I want to focus on is this. Go. Go. So, first thing you want to write is this. If we are going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must go. We must go. You must go. Get out of your comfort zone and go. That has to be the very first thing that's going to take place in our life. Now, in these verses, some interesting things. As we go... If you look back at those verses, you see four alls, A-L-L-S. It says all power and authority. In other words, nothing can defeat the power of God. It says I'm to go to all nations. God can change any person from any nation. As I go, I'm to take all the commandments of God. All of them, the power of God in all of his word. That's what we teach here. And then it talks about to the end of this very age or every day. All the days of my life, Jesus is with me. He's with you. Now, so the first command I have is to go. Get out of my comfort zone. Go take the good news to people who are blinded by the enemy. I'm to go. Well, there's a problem. Jesus knew that the disciples couldn't go in their own strength. So Jesus gives us a second command that's intrally linked to the first. Turn with me, Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. So there's another command that enables you and me to carry out this first mandate, the Great Commission. Jesus said basically to his disciples by this command when you get there, you can't accomplish what I want you to do unless you have the power of God. So the command you can write in your notes is this before you go, wait to be empowered. Before you go, wait to be empowered. In other words, Jesus is going to remind the disciples when He started his ministry before he did his ministry. In Matthew chapter 3, we're told that he was filled with the Spirit of God. He couldn't do it in his own strength. He was filled with the Spirit of God. So he says to his disciples, you're taking over for me. You can't do it in your own strength. I don't care if you got a Doctor of Divinity degree. Nothing wrong with that. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to be filled with the power of God. And what is the promise? That's the command... What's the promise? Take a look at this and write it down. The promise, and you're going to read it in the verse here in a moment, is this. You will be empowered. You will be empowered to change the world. In other words, if you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, somebody came to me after the first service and said, I just need God to empower me. I prayed for it right there. Will he? Well, certainly. The book of Luke says if we ask him for a good gift, he's a great father and he'll give it to us. He wants us to be empowered. Now let's read verse one, eight and Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be the most dramatic dancer in the church anyone has ever seen. Is that what it says? Or you will be... Man, you talk about holy laughter. You will be a laughing hyena in the church. Or... And notice... You see, here's the dichotomy. There are many churches today that say we don't need the power of God anymore. Can you imagine that? You know why they say that? Because of the weirdness on the other end. But Jesus, don't ever forget this. He says, I want you to have my power to do one thing, witness. What's a witness? You go and tell. You go and tell. A witness is a person that goes and tells. By the way, the original word in the Greek is not witness. It's martyr. Go and die for me. Whoa. That's exactly right. And by the way, for the original 12, did that happen? Yes. Is it still happening today? Absolutely. You mean I could die for going? Jesus did. His disciples did. The world is still doing it. They mean business. So he says, if you go, you'll be my witnesses to all the world, starting in Jerusalem, then going to all the world. Now, when you understand that, here's the sentence you want to write. If we're going to communicate, which is our fourth C, if we're going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must be filled with God's power. So we know that actually happened In the early parts of the New Testament church, within 30 years, that whole world was impacted. Now, here's a problem. Well, Pastor Mark, it's nice to see that you're fired up about the Great Commission. The great, by the way, I call verse 1-8 the great empowerment. You might want to write that in your Bible, the great empowerment. It's really nice that you're fired up. It's nice to know that you can communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. Actually, I think when you come back from being off a week, you get fired up. Please don't go again. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that you're fired up about the Great Commission, Pastor Mark. but what does that have to do with me? Are you kidding me? What does it have to do with you? It has everything to do with you, as it does me. Here's the last thing I want. At the end of today's teaching. Nice sermon testimony. It was nice. It was very nice. It's very nice. What do you can do about it? Nothing. It's very nice. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. Every single set of eyes that you look into this week are people that will spend eternity somewhere. And you and I have been given a mandate from God when he opens a door to open our mouths and share the good news. So what? That's the reason our world is not turned upside down. Because we are too uninvolved with the Great Commission. We do not have the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. We have our own heartbeat. My stuff, my time, my vacation, my traveling, my business, my furniture, my house, my hobby. That was never the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. All those things are fine. So I want to share with you today five things that God wants you to do. And he wants me to do. I'm the same ship you are. We begin. Turn to John chapter 4. You've been there before. You can just sneak back a few chapters. John chapter 4. First of all, number 1, open your eyes. Open your eyes. John 4:34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do not say four months and more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You see, Jesus took spiritual work as a priority. You remember the passage this comes from, I don't have time today. Jesus was headed back up north. He went through Samaria. Jews didn't ever go through Samaria. He met a woman at the well. Adult males, especially rabbis, would never talk to a woman. Jesus stops. He shares with her the plan of salvation. He goes. He shares. He seeks out. She accepts the Lord. She goes into town. All these people come back. The town is turned upside down because Jesus stopped. He missed a meal. And when the disciples brought him the meal, he said, you know what? I love to eat. But I just was able to win a woman to the Father. And that brought me more satisfaction than the greatest meal. You see, guys, our satisfaction doesn't come from a full stomach. It comes from a full spirit. You are first spirit, soul, and body. The world is body and soul oriented. Not you, not me. Look at your life. Don't be driven by the temporary stuff. Everything we have in our life is temporary except people. Everything. And Jesus says, not about food. He said, I looked at this woman and I know I was here. I opened my eyes and I saw the need. Number two, turn with me to Matthew 9.36. Matthew, you've been there. Number two, CCM Opening our eyes is not enough. Open your hearts. You see, Jesus was always aware of people's needs. He met them where he lived. He walked in their towns with them. He saw their searching. He saw their spiritual poverty. He saw the devastation in their life that was caused by sin. Verse 936. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd you see Jesus was known for his compassion do we look at people and see that they're tossed to and fro with Jesus Christ always he turns darkness into light you've come to the right place Jesus can meet your need Recently, I read an article about the 10 surprises of the unchurched. The unchurched in the article, they did a survey throughout the United States. The unchurched were defined as this, people that don't go to church more than three times in a year. Look at number eight surprise. The unchurched would like to develop a real and sincere relationship with the Christian. That's a surprise. Let me read on. It said this in the article. After talking with unbelievers who had impact from believers like you and I, here's what they said. Most of the unchurch can easily tell the difference between drive-by evangelism and a person who really cares. Let me read you this quote. Here's a quote from a lady. I scratched the name of the church out because it's not important. I had some people come to see me from a church just three blocks from my home. They just wanted to spill their presentation and move on. But I would have been happy to talk with them for a long time if I thought they really cared. Have we gotten to the place that when we shared the gospel, and we know we should, have we gotten to the place where we just mark it down on the old belt, hey, shared another time. What is that? This is not about notches on our spiritual belt. This is on the heart of God. The heart of God. Do you understand that? It's the heart of God. It's not about the four spiritual laws being presented in a can relationship. So that's why the Y Church, it's outside the building. It's a place where you and I Go to the marketplace. It's a heart. And this surprise to me was that many of these people outside of here would love to talk to you if you cared. Now, we know it's often going to be a long process before they come to the Lord. That's okay. But if we really care for them, then they're ready to go. You see, the greatest form of selfishness is to go to heaven alone. We don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Now, here's number three. You ready? Here we go. Open your mouths. Open your mouths. Take a look. Well, let me give you, you're going to see in a moment this verse, but let me tell you surprise number three. This absolutely shocked me. Here's what it says. Surprise number three, 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. 96%. Now, that's definitely a surprise to me. They estimate, this article, that there are 160 million unchurched people in the United States. 160 million. So what does that mean? If this research is correct, 153 million people would come to church if they were invited. Maybe just once, but they would come 153 million people. So here's your homework assignment. You ready? Write it down. This week, you open your mouth in prayer first. And you say to God, open a door so I can invite someone to church. By the way, would that be the heartbeat of God? That was pretty weak. Would that be the heartbeat? Would it? Well, sure, because here, what's going to happen? They're going to hear what? The good news. Now, maybe they'll say, you know, I won't go to church, but I am interested in Christianity. Well, then talk with them. Because the next verse up here says, I ought to be able to give an answer for the question that people have. I always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Never with notch. Never with, you did what? Hey, that's where we came from. Sin or sin, get over it. It's okay. That's where we came from. Do it with gentleness and respect. Now what would happen? What is going to happen as you do that? You watch. Be ready for next week. If about 6,000 adults invite one person next week and 10% only agree to come, 10%. How many more brand new people next week that haven't been to church? How many? 600 people. Would heaven be rejoicing? Yeah, because you know what happens when those young people get, those kind of people get saved? You know what they do? Immediately they go and tell other people. And that's what happens. But guys, we've gotten away from it. We're kind of just comfortable in these walls. And today's the day to stop it. Can't be comfortable in these walls anymore. We've been given a mandate. Comes from the very heart of God. Now, as you think about that, here's number four. Offer. Offer your lives. Offer your lives. You're in Matthew, look at verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. You see, it's not just about my mouth or my heart or really just this going. It's about my whole being. Romans 12 says it. We're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, a, a martyr, but I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. See, somewhere in Iran went with the gospel. Do you see, do you see the difference between Muslim and Christianity? Joy, laughter, freedom, a God who personally directs us. Guys, we have that. That's why the gospel is powerful. It can change any life. And yet sometimes we're just not radical enough in asking God to open doors. I want you to write this last statement, then I'm going to give you the last one. If we are going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must not be ashamed of the good news When you go this week and ask God for opening a door. By the way, I know I will not hear back from anyone who said this. I went to God in prayer, and God said he wasn't interested in opening a door for me to talk. No, He his heart's for what? The lost. So when you pray this week, be confident of the truth of the gospel. Be confident of its relevance. Be confident of its power. And here's number five. Last one for you. Expect God to do amazing things. He already is. God's spirit's flowing. You see, the early church was not a powerless minority. You are not a powerless minority. You have the power of God in your life. You have the heart and the mind and the eyes of Jesus Christ. You are changing this society. Expect God to do more. May he touch us when he puts his ear to our heart. May he hear the very heartbeat of Jesus Christ that lives are being changed.
0: Have you seen that the harvest is ripe? Did you know that God is already at work? God is calling us to join him in bringing the gospel to a dying world. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us that after we've seen the need, we need to open our mouths and proclaim the truth. We need to offer our lives for the sake of the gospel. If we will do these things, we will see God do some tremendous things. In fact, he already is. some people are troubled by paul's statement in 2 corinthians 5 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ in the next edition of lessons for living pastor mark begins to explain what this judgment is about he assures us that we're saved by our belief in jesus christ but we will receive rewards at the judgment based upon our behavior are you using the gifts god has given you You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting.